Well, good evening, everybody. I'm your host, Steve Pisa, here for Cinephiles Radio. I'm so glad you're here to join me. Today, we have a special guest, Peter Yang. Can't wait to hear from this writer, producer, director, stuntman. Just can't wait. How are you guys doing today? See any good new movies? We always start off the show with like this. Last night I saw the Joker. Who saw the Joker? Let's give a spoiler-free review. Whoa, uh, Spanish music kind of stopped very fast there. But let's talk about the uh, Joker and, and, and its review just a tad bit. So did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy the Joker? How much did you enjoy the Joker? I know you have a lot of questions. We can't answer them right now. This is a spoiler-free review right now, but... We can't answer a lot of those questions, but The Joker was an amazing film. Joaquin Phoenix did a a great job. It was a little different than I thought it would be, but exactly what I thought Todd Phillips should do. Todd Phillips doing The Hangover and uh, and, uh, several other, well, you know, the other Hangover films as well, but he did Old School as well. Old School is when I first saw him as a comedic Martin Scorsese. And when you see the Joker, you're going to see a Martin Scorsese like film. <laughs> so it's kind of ironic that he's that Martin Scorsese recently said that the Marvel films didn't feel or look or to him was not his interpretation of cinematic or film. But when you watch, you know, the Joker, you can't tell. But this this film, this movie is a a movie. It's a cinematic experience. It's something special. It's something incredible. It's not something a lot of people can do. I, I can guarantee that for you. Um, will you walk out of there happy? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think you will. I think you'll walk out of there like Watchmen. You'll walk out of there a little confused and, and asking questions. And if you've been drinking, <laughs> which I saw a lot of people last night doing before they saw this film, uh, I would ask your questions a day later. <laughs> I saw a lot of people incredibly frustrated um, drinking on a film that takes a lot of concentration, a lot of focus, because you really don't know where the imaginary scenes are and where the and where the real scenes are. And one of the reasons why is that the Joker is meant to be a very raw narrator. So he's never supposed to be truthful. All his narrations are always a bit dramatic and off kilter and and never right. And when you watch this film, you can see that played out perfectly. It's it's really a wonderful film. Um, is it a date film? I see that from the questions I see right now. No, it is not a date film, unless your date is um, uh, up up to the par. If your date is up to the par, they're they're ready for something that's going to be a thinker, and you're going to go out to dinner, and you're going to talk about this film, and you're going to have a good time about that, then yes, it is a date movie. If it's a date movie, the, the kind where you're going to get into an argument and a fight, uh, I, I would I would skip this film. This this film is argumentally one of those films that takes a little time. Uh, it's a little slow in the beginning, uh, but really picks up pace. Beautiful film incredibly violent, disturbing, um, but on, on, on the kind of sense that you want it to be, on, those, on the sense that you want it to be. 
Have you seen the Joker film? Give us a call. Give us a ring. Let us know that you saw the Joker film. Let us know what you thought about that movie. Uh, I want to know. If you have any questions for Peter Yang, by all means, please give us a call right now. We're going to bring him in. Uh, I see Peter's on, on right now. So let's get him on. Peter, is that you? Hey, how you doing? How you doing, sir? Everybody's oh, happy to see you. <laughs> how you doing, my friend? You worked very hard last night on a, on, a, a, on a project that we will not name today. It's like the Voldemort of movies, but you worked very hard last night. Thank you so much for being here today. We, we greatly appreciate you, uh, you uh, taking the time out. Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. Uh, so let's start at the beginning. So you, you grew up in, in Ohio. Uh, yes. Yes. I wow. And, uh, huh? It seems like a lot of actors and a lot of stunt coordinators, a lot of stunt workers that we work with and talk to have grown up in Ohio. Uh, I, I don't know what that is, but maybe you can answer that question for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd say it's probably a bit, you know, Ohio is uh I, I I mean maybe it's just because I'm from there, but it's a little bit right. boring. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot, of, oh. a lot of great people that came out of Ohio, like you know, right, uh, like the Wright brothers and Neil Armstrong, like really influential people. And <laughs> but one thing I kind of gathered is that you know, since there's at least I, at least for me, my high school was across the street from a cornfield. You know, there wasn't much to do, right. um, so couldn't really do much except for be creative. Um, so you know, I feel like a lot of people that are creative come out of Ohio just because you know you have a lot of time to you know it, it'll take a little bit of take a little bit of time and like really think about things thoroughly and it's a very rational place too so um, hmm. so yeah. it's more mathematical yeah. than it is imaginary like los angeles well you know I, I don't know about that i mean i would say you know they let their imaginations run because you have to entertain, entertain yourself and we obviously consume a lot of media as well and i watched a lot of movies growing up so you know, I think when you kind of come out here and then you start getting that, it, it's, we catch that bug a little bit easier. The acting, right. Filmmaking. Yeah. Well, you started the bug early on. I mean, you, you were in martial arts. You went to martial art performing as well, caught a professional and what have you. I want to get into that subject matter as well. So when when was it in your life while you're in Ohio, you know, you're, you're living there in, in a smaller state than a lot of us living in Texas, Miami, New York. Los Angeles and what have you is. So we, we definitely want to know. So what, what drew you to this field, to this uh, magistry of filmmaking and, and acting and, and, and directing, which you're doing now? Well, you know, actually, I, I kind of just fell into it, to be honest. I, I didn't know. I mean, obviously, I loved filmmaking and I, I had been making films <laughs> like randomly, you know, through, through for like school projects and whatever. But, you know, I kind of thought it was this unattainable um I don't know how to, it was just this unattainable thing. You know, it wasn't a real profession. It was more just like a, a pipe dream. Um, so I right. came out here to California because my sister went to Berkeley. She, uh, she studied up in, in Berkeley and I, I went to visit her when I was in seventh grade. And then at that point, you know, I saw the diversity here. I saw um, just the, the culture and like how people talk and, and it, it really stimulated me in a way that I wanted to move out here. So by the time I was in seventh grade, I, was, I already decided I'm moving to California. And then when uh-huh. I, uh, 
And my father was an entrepreneur, so, you know, I decided I wanted to do uh, learn business, you know, and uh, – um, so I, when I came out, uh, when I, when it came time to, uh, what is it, um, apply to colleges, I only applied, applied to California schools. And I really, the best one that I got into was at UC San Diego and I studied mm. economics. Um, but I, you know, I really focused on, I knew I wanted to start a business one day. I wasn't really sure what it was. Um, and right. then, you know, and I did like film and I got a little bit of exposure down there, but not, not much, you know? And, uh, but once, you know, but like I said, I've been watching movies my, my whole life, like everybody else. You know, and I, it really, it really stimulated me in a certain way that I, I, I definitely needed to, like, it, it drew me to it. But I didn't think, I didn't really understand what it was. I thought you maybe had to be born into it, or you know, you walk down the street and somebody puts their fingers up and you know, square around your face and like, oh, here's a million dollars, meet me at the studio tomorrow. You know, so it was really like winning the lottery. For me. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking, I'm looking at your IMDb right now, Ron, and it, it looks like somebody who's not only wanted this for a long time, but came in and, and, and basically threw a bowling ball in somebody's face. For somebody who didn't think that this was a pipe dream, uh, quite a pipe dream you, you, you made happen. Yeah, well, you know, what, what ended up happening was, you know, when I, when I moved up to L.A., um, I actually moved up to be – I was a business development specialist at a market research firm. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I knew right. I wanted to start a business. But then I – and I, since I love film so much, you know, it kind of drew me to that, that side of things. But then once I got here and I saw that, oh, you know, you can actually work at this. Oh, you can actually learn this. And it's an actual job, you know, it's something that I can do and I can use my martial arts skills that I had been honing my whole life. You know, I was a national champion right. a couple of times and all these different things. Like, I, I, it's something that you can actually do. You can actually put your, you know, uh, nose to the grindstone and actually make it happen. So um, uh, once I once I figured that out, I was like, wow, okay, well, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. So I started right. I started meeting people. I started training in places, and I started, uh, yeah, I took, I started taking acting classes. I did a three-year Meisner program. You know, I pretty much went to college after college. Oh, you studied so, Meisner. Yeah, yeah, at the at the Ruskin School of Acting in Santa Monica. Oh, that's fantastic. That yeah, that yeah, was a great school. I did their master class. Um, you know, I did classes at, with Doug Warhead and Margie Haber. You know, I was uh -huh. all over all over town. Um, but then I also started meeting people in the stunt industry, which is. I didn't know was there was a difference, you know. At first, I was just like, okay, I want to be an actor, but then, and I didn't realize that stunts was a completely different vocation, and it was like completely right. different, you know, thing. I just thought it was kind of the same deal. So, but then once right. I figured that out, I was like, oh well, my skills. I already have the skills. I mean, like obviously, I need to learn camera angles and movie fights and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, but. I had a lot of the skills and I was very, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty durable guy. I knew how to fall and I knew how to do things safely that other people saw as very dangerous. So right. I was like, okay, well I can apply these things to, to stunts. And I, you know, and then when I, when I first got up here, I, I got booked on a Lupe Fiasco music video and I fought him in there. And then um, I started, I started training with more people. I worked on a, a, a small movie, uh, like a, a, like a low budget movie that I, that um, I was a part of a really big fight scene. Um, right. You know, I started talking to people there, and they were all getting started in the business. So then they told me about hustling, and they told me about, um, you know, like the different coordinators that were out there. And uh, and then it really opened my eyes to uh, there's a whole industry here that I can use the skills that I have, and I can also be an entrepreneur. And that's really what it, I found is that gave me success over a lot of other people is that I knew how to run a business. 
And since I knew how to run a business, I, I saw myself as a freelance person, you know, and, and if you're a freelance plumber or if you're a freelance electrician, you know, you have a service that you're providing and then people pay you for that service. And it's the same right. business practices as it is for acting and it is for stunts. It I is. service, either acting mm-hmm. or stunts, and people know me through reputation or my marketing, and then they hire me for my service. But it's the same business practice. I still have my expenses and I still have my revenue, you know, and I, I still have to plan for the future and my marketing and, you know, my brand, you know, and that's something that a lot of people, especially people that, you know, start in my film school and all that kind of stuff, which is, I, you know, I, there's a lot of things I don't know because I didn't go to film school, but right. on the other hand, end of it though, a lot of those people, they, they didn't learn a lot of the business things that I learned. So right. I was able to propel myself in a certain way where I could market myself to the right people and net, know how to network, know how to present myself in a professional manner and make sure that I had the well, right let's kind stop. of etiquette. You know? Let's get it right there, you know, because I, I have a feeling where this came from. Let's go back to the beginning of Ohio. So so you started martial arts at, at what age? Uh, eight years old. Eight years old. And now I'm half I'm half Japanese and I'm half, I'm half Sicilian. So, you know, I, I understand that kind of Asian mix, you know, uh, myself and that kind of, I don't know, tempestuous, uh, you know, desire and wanting to be more. But I also see that draw towards the martial arts as well. So I, I started martial arts very young as well. When you started martial arts, did you enjoy it or did you see it as a punishment at first? Oh no, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I, my my father. What ended up happening was I was going to Chinese school, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my father was actually like the vice president of it. And I never learned Chinese because you know when I went there, um, you know I didn't know Chinese when I went there, and then uh. everybody that was in the school already already knew Chinese. They spoke Chinese. Ah. Uh. Really how to read and write it. So right. I was kind of sitting there, I was a little bit lost, but then my friend, my father's friend was a was a kung fu master that he was my first kung fu teacher. And so, and that was something that I could do that was physical, that right. you know, kept me disciplined. It really, it really caught my, caught me, and I, and I, I just loved it, you know. So mm. I started doing that. We found another more uh, like a, a, because that was like a, an after school program, like once a week kind of thing. So sure. we found a, an actual kung fu school, and then at that place it was much more, um, much more regimented. You know, they had a, mm-hmm. a system and everything. So I started doing that. And, uh, I, you know, I really loved it. It was something that I really liked to do. And then I started competing. And once I started competing, that, that's what really, like, engaged me. Because not only was I learning things for myself, but then I could put them out in the world, meet new people, make friends, but also put my skills against theirs. And then if I lose, learn something. And if I win, then, you know, then great. But so I started doing that. And eventually um, it, it brought me to a uh, martial arts tournament down in uh, Orlando, Florida. Mm. Where, uh, uh, I, you know, actually, I, w- I went in there and I was in. I went to go spar, and but there's nobody in my division, so they moved me up to the <laughs> immediate. There's nobody in that division, so they ended up right. going, putting me in advance. And at that point, I had only been doing it for maybe a year or two. And, oh my god! Like everybody there had been doing it, you know, since they were a little kid, so they were doing like five sure. years or something like that. But then I went in there and I beat everybody. And I got first place in sparring. So, <laughs> <laughs> So my father looked at me and was like, okay, so you're good at fighting. You know, so, um, so I started going to tournaments and I started, you know, competing a lot. And then he, he and then he started looking at it like, okay, well, one of the, one of the fighting styles that has the, the best, um, what is it, that's an Olympic sport and has the right. best, uh, you know, pathway up 
you know, was Taekwondo. So he put, right. he, he introduced me to Taekwondo and it, I, it caught my eye and I, I really liked it. So I, I put all of my time into that. And when I was in high school and I did a lot of other sports like swimming and football and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But my main thing was martial arts and I was traveling all over. I, I was able to travel all over the country. I went to the junior Olympics. I won, uh, you know, I won forms competitions and I, I won wow. competitions and, you know, all these different things. I started, now I'm going to ask uh, you. I'm going to ask you a really geeky question here, Peter. You know, I've been waiting to ask you this question. What are your three towards the end? What were your three favorite forms to perform? I'm pretty sure you had just a one, but what were your three favorite forms? Because I know I know your forms very well. Oh, for Taekwondo. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, actually, for me, I. I pretty much just stopped at choreo, which is the uh, first, time black belt, or first degree black belt. Uh, choreo is a great form. Yeah, well, I was I was obsessed with uh, I was obsessed with sparring, you know, and but I was really good at forms because I, I had my kung fu background, which is very complicated right. forms. And I go to taekwondo, it's it's much more regiment, or like you know. And it's very it's dramatic. It's very dramatic, isn't it? Yeah, it's very dramatic. Exactly. It's very it's very much like acting. Right. So, I mean, and, and, it, and it has those snapping. I, I could snap my moves very well. You know, right. this is before they had the, the cookie wand. Like, they, they, they really changed, yes. like, the, the very specific ways that you're supposed to do it. But this is before that. Yeah. Um, but right. when I did it, I had a nice flair to it. I had a good tempo and I had a good rhythm. And people really liked watching me do it. So, wow. even though I was focusing on sparring all the time, I was winning first place in forms competition, like, uh, four times. Four times I was national champion in forms competition. Wow. Um, but you know, but that whole time I was I was focused on sparring only. So once I became right. a first on black belt, it made it so that I could fight any black belt. You know, because whether you're first on black belt or first degree black belt or a fifth degree right. black belt, you all fight the same in the same division. It's Pretty all much. That weight class. So once oh, yeah. I became a black belt, I just I did choreo every year and won one 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 one. But then I was sparring. <laughs> and, you know, the first time I went to Junior Olympics, I got first place. And the second year, I got second place. And third year, I got third place. And I went to right. collegiate nationals, you know, and I won the forms competition twice there. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, as, as far as like my favorite forms, I would say, you know, choreo is, is something that really stuck with me. It's something, that, you know, mm-hmm. but for me, though, it was really about the fighting. It was really about the sparring, right. you know, that, that moment to moment, like head to head, like kind of idea. You get in there and you really, you know, whether or not you're better than them doesn't really matter because are you better than them right at that moment? Like, did you get the right. best of them then? Were you able to put right. it on the line at that at that time, you know? And that's what really what really got me, you know? It's like I wanted to be able to not only be a good martial artist, but also to be able to do it in the moment and not have mm. to, uh, you know, not have to have this whole, weird, like, lead up and everything like that. Like, I, I put myself on the line. I go in there and... I, I do my best, and you know, if they win, I learn something. If I if I win, then I, I also learn something. You know. And that, so would you? Really so would you say that your 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 father was was a mentor in your life, uh, pushing you along? It seems like he was behind you a lot of the way. Oh yeah, no, it, it was it was really cool because you know I, I think one of the reasons why I really love martial arts too is because my father was a very busy man. You know, he, he was an entrepreneur, hmm. he owned an engineering firm. Um, so a lot of times we'd come home at like 9 p.m. at night, and then we'd have dinner together, and then that's what that's what, the time I would see him. You know, it's like. Well, oh, that's really nice. Leaving, 
Yeah, so I mean that that was like the one time I saw him. But then when you know when I was doing martial arts though, he would make sure that he was always at my school. And I remember I have very very many memories of me training wow. inside the school and looking through the glass, and he's sitting there sleeping because he's so tired from work. <laughs> but he was there every time. You know, even when I could drive myself to practice, he would still go right. to practice and watch or try to watch and sometimes fall asleep. So. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the, the yeah. things that parents do for us is it's amazing. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, and it, it was kind of funny, too, because when once I started doing stunt work, you know, and understandably, you know, he's very traditional Chinese or uh, Taiwanese man. And um, but and, you know, any anybody I, I'm still like this, too, with, with people that are trying to get in the industry. I'm like, really be careful because it's a freelance lifestyle. It's not stable. Right. You know, so he was, he was saying all those things to me and he was, he was very like, don't do this, you know, become a lawyer, become a become a you know, doctor, become a businessman. Like, right. don't, don't go into film. Like, that's, that's, you don't know if there's a future for that. And I'm like, you know, right. I'm like, nah, I feel like I have something. I need to do that. I need to do it. And eventually it came around to it, you know, but it, it was really him always coming with me and pushing me with martial arts that solidified something that I'm using now to, as my main vocation. You know, I make, mm. I make a living doing martial arts on film now. So right. it's a... Uh, it's kind of funny how it all came around, and now, and now, me, he and I have had like a, a a new bonding, a new thing to bond over. Right, where you're your your entire success. Now, now, when, now, how did your mother feel about this the entire way as as well? That must have been quite confusing for a mother father dynamic. That a father's really pushing you along. Uh, maybe the mother might not want you to do these things. Uh, you know, my mom was always supportive. You know, my my parents uh, separated when I was when I was very little. Uh, but she was uh. always she was always with you know she was always around. So it's not like I, I didn't know her. But like right. know, for for her, she she just wanted me to be happy. She knew that martial arts right. made me happy, and she was always incredibly proud of me whenever I won competitions, which I was competing right. more than anything else. You know, I'm, I was like I, I was maybe doing a good twenty to twenty to thirty, maybe even more competitions a year. Um, and I was training 30 hours a week um, for mm-hmm. you know, in high school on top of on top of school and everything like that. You know, it was pretty much a, you know a job. So yeah. I mean, she knew how much it meant to me, and she knew how much I was I was really into it. So you know, she just wanted me to be happy, and she knew that 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 made me happy. And then when I started going into film, uh, she also was kind of you know she had the same concerns my dad did. You know, it's not a stable lifestyle. You know. I'd, so, you know, in the beginning, especially, I was, you know, sometimes worried about rent and all that kind of stuff. You know, the stuff <laughs> is, is very true. Um, but, you know, but she knew that it really, it, it did something for me that nothing else did. You know, it, it really spoke to me in a different way. And it really allowed me to express myself in a, in a way that nothing else could that, you know, and, and she, you know, they, both of them know, knew at the time. And now, like, you know, my father's come around now that I'm <laughs> making a little bit more money. But, um, you know, just that. I can't do anything else. You know, it's like I, I can try something else and, and whatever, but you know, it always comes back to film just like every, and I, I did, I did all these different sports, but it always came back to martial arts, you know, and film uh, and acting, actually, I, I actually see it as my last leg of my martial arts training, to be honest, because, you know, martial arts can treat, can teach you, you know, uh, uh, like mental clarity and discipline mm-hmm. and physical right. and all, all these different things but what it can't do or what nothing else can do is train you in emotional control and that's right. what I really see it acting as is be, having control of my emotions being able to take myself to these edge, like the edge of whatever and then coming back you know and some people they they go over the edge and, they, and that's that's really the danger with acting you know the like Daniel Day-Lewis or what have you 
Right. Well, I mean, but he's able to bring it back, you know. But like someone right. like Heath Ledger, you know, like he, you know, like they they make a mistake, you know, they're they're depressed afterwards and they end up doing drug overdose on accident or they're crossing something they shouldn't have, or, right. or you know, it's like those kind of those kind of you know, it's like you push yourself to those things, but then sometimes you go a little too far and you don't come back, and that's a danger. But at the right. same time, like for me, I've been pushing myself mentally and physically so long with everything in my life, you know, including martial arts. So, you know, acting is one of those things. And also stunts is one of those things. I can bring myself to that edge and then come back. And, and that control is so important to me in my life that I, I, I think that I, I wouldn't be able to get that doing anything else. And right. that's so important in my life. That's why film has become so important in my life as well. Well, when you came out here, you did a lot of shorts, and, and, and let's get into those right away. Which, which short or which project do you think out here really kind of developed your, your desire to be out here and pushed you along? Uh, you, you mean uh, a, a short that I did for other people? or Sure. Or just just any own? project you did in Los Angeles that, that made you feel like, I belonged here. This is good. This is where I want to be, and I want to push along. But any anything you did out here, any beginning thing you did out here, what was the first thing you did out here that made you feel that way? Well, you know, really, what it was was, uh, you know, when I started taking acting classes. You know, at at the at first, you know, it, it kind of flirted with the idea. I was doing little, you know, little little bits here and there, but it wasn't like, you know, especially in the beginning, you're not really diving into the work that much. You know, which is which is kind of dangerous for some people because you know you, we always have an idea of like oh yeah it'd be really cool to be in film but then you don't really know what it's really about you don't really know what it really can offer um, right or what it what it can't offer you know it's like it's not going to be able to complete complete some people the way that they want it want it to you know um, but for me when I when I took the acting classes and I really started you know going into myself and figuring out like the things that I w- was afraid of and the things that um, I wasn't afraid of, you know, and the, the catharsis of being able to jump into somebody else's life and learn from it and then apply it to my own and learn about and then see other people do that and then apply it to their life and my own. So like that really, that really is what drew me in. It's like this is something that not only am I going to um, have some a very deep satisfaction doing, but also I'm going to be uh, making myself uh, into a better person. You know, it, it, well, if you don't mind, if if you don't mind, what 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 issues in your mind were keeping you back that 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 you overcame later on in your life? Well, uh, a, a big one for me was, um, you know, I, I think uh, growing up in Ohio, it, it was nothing wrong with the people that I grew up with or anything like that. But you know, I, I was it was in a predominantly white area. And I was mm-hmm. a person of color that, you know, didn't have a lot of other people that were like me there. Right. So, you know, whether, you know, I, I, nobody was overly racist to me or anything like that. I was, you know, it was nothing like that, but it was just, I felt out of place, you know, right. like I, there was nobody that looked like me. And, you know, I, uh, my, since my father was working a lot, my sisters were, went to college when I was, you know, young. I spent a lot of time alone at home. And then, um, you know, and I had friends, not to say I didn't, you know, but it's just, right. it's one of those things that there was, there were cultural things that I, I didn't, sh- I didn't share with other people or, you know, and, or like, um, you know, uh, and stuff like that. So, and not to mention, you know, it, 
kids are kind of like that too. You know, I felt very undesirable. I felt unattractive. I felt like, you know, people didn't like me. So when I came out to California and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I started getting a little bit of that, you know, I kind of went overboard in college and, you know, and uh, I, I was, I didn't like the person I had become, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I felt like I was like a, almost like a womanizer, you know, and I, and I, and I didn't like that. I grew up with two older sisters and a, and a mom that I loved, you know, and, and, uh, you know, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, let's keep on going on that, but I'm going to X nay on you on something. I've known you for quite a long time and I've seen you quite for a long time. The one thing I would not describe you as is a womanizer, but please continue. Well, a lot of that is because of, you know, the time that you've known me, I got out of that. And one of the things that got me out of that was acting and was, you know, going into the, these kind of classes and, and really looking into myself and, and like understanding mm. how much shame I had put myself through. Wow. You know, no, sometimes knowingly and sometimes not. And then yeah. being able to look at that and be like, I can be better. I know I mm -hmm. can be better. And stepping yes. into the shoes of, of a character that was better and then applying that to my life, you know, like I was talking about that, that was, that became something very, like very deeply changing for me. You know, it's like, I, right. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've always been very respectful of women. It's not like I was, you know, like, you know, doing anything transgressive or anything like that. Right. But, you know, I mean, like I was flirting, you know, and I, I, <laughs> I cheated on some girlfriends and stuff like that. And it was something that I was deeply ashamed of. And I, and I, I couldn't right. believe that I did it at the time. And then, you know, I, I came up here and then I started, you know, working on something, which is actually, for some reason, is notoriously for like, you know, people always think of celebrities as adulterers and stuff like that. But like, for me, it was something that took me away from that. It, it made me right. want to be better, uh, be a better person. And So and, this, uh, this life almost made you into a better person by showing you the dark side right away. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes that's what you need, you know? Yeah. Well, that's for that's fast. So, so talking about, you know, your first, we really didn't get down to that, but the first project that you got down to, let's talk about the first, maybe the first film you got into, maybe the first, uh, uh, action stunt, um, action thing you've done out here. Now, what would that have been? Now I'm looking at your IMDb. I don't want to read your IMDb and just go over our, our interview like that. But you know, what, what was the one thing that out here that made you want to stay? Huh. Uh, you know, actually, I think that Lupe Fiasco music video was pretty cool for me just because he was my favorite rapper at the time. So, really? You know, coming up here and getting cast, I mean, like, it wasn't like a big part or anything. It was like, a, it was really just a stunt role, um, which now I know, you know, they didn't have a stunt coordinator. And I was like, and now you know, for me, it's like, well, I probably shouldn't have done that. But for me at the right. time, I mean, I, I got to meet my favorite rapper. And I got to fight him on screen. I got to be part of his, his music video, like right right when I got here. And that was that was something that was actually very influential for me. I mean, I, I was very happy about that. Um, That's awesome. We have a we have a lot of our, our our guests right now that are that are watching um, your IMDb and looking it up and down. I mean, you have a gigantic and a, and a, a very fluid IMDb. I mean, going down from I mean grim to you know, things that you've done for Bat in the Sun to, you know, uh, tw 24 to Criminal Minds, to Magnum P.I., to, you know, to, to all kinds of different shows that we don't want to really talk about because they're in production right now. Uh, so you really you really hit some of the top tier shows. Um, how much of that was hard work? How much of that was 
your genuine personality and how much of that was drive? Well, I think, you know, I think it's all, all drive to be honest. I mean, like it, putting yourself out there is really the biggest thing, you know, I, I mean, for me, I was, I mean, I, I was kind of a very shy kid when I was, when I was younger, which made, and especially in Ohio, you know, it's one of those things too, that you don't, it's considered rude to talk well about yourself, you know, and it was something that I really had to get over. Uh, That's you know, Canadian. Here and trying to make <laughs> yeah. That's Canadian. That's a very Canadian thing yeah. to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, it, it, and I, I still feel weird about it. You know, I don't really, yeah. I, I feel I'm not the best at, at getting compliments. Uh, my girlfriend can talk about that. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I feel weird talking about myself, which is why, right. you know, you know, I think sometimes some people get maybe even get a little bit annoyed because I, I post about things, you know, that I'm doing. But like for me, whenever I post about stuff, I just say this is what I did. You know, I don't really, I'm not really like what I like to be like. I'm doing so good in this, like this is my best work and all that kind of stuff. I just feel yeah. weird doing it. I knew, I know I need to get over that, but it's one of those things. Like for me, it's like. I do all these things, but then and I'll, I'll post about them, but I'll be like, this was great to work on. I did this. Yeah. And then, but yeah. it'll just, I, I try to let my work just stand for itself, which, no, you know, your work, yeah, your work does stand for itself. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that's the thing for me, you know, it, I want it, I want it to speak for myself for itself. You know, I don't want to present it in a way that's going to sway somebody's opinion of it. I just want them to be like, well, this is what I did you think what you think and I, I, I'm doing it because I love it and that'll be that, you know, it's like, and if someone right. compliments me on it, you know, I'm not the best at taking them, but I, you know, I do appreciate, not that I don't appreciate them. You know, I love, I love, I love hearing when somebody enjoys my work, but at the same right. time, it's like, I, I, I also, it also kind of, it's something that I don't know, ever since I was a kid, I, I just like automatically kind of tense up a little bit. I'm just like, Oh, okay, thanks. And then I, I, I just try to move on as fast as possible. <laughs> Well, you worked on a job last night that we that we will not name. But do you do you look for positive affirmation while you're there, or do you or you're just looking for the specifics of of how do I work this job? Oh no, well you know something for me, you know when I when I first started out, I was doing a lot of extra work. I mean, I did extra work for about extra work and stand-in work for about three three or four years uh, before I started making a living solely on on acting and stunts. Um, you know, and during that time, I mean, like. Yeah, you know, I, I was doing, when I was doing, like, say, st- or, uh, for stand-in work, I did something on Black Hat, and I was working for Michael Mann, and I, uh, you know, also did one, you know, if, if somebody like him, at a high level, he's Academy Award nominee. Is one of Michael the, Mann, yes. Yeah, <laughs> do it perfectly, and if you do it perfect, we're moving on. If you don't do it perfect, I'm going to tell you what is wrong. So if I don't get any... And if I don't get any feedback, I know it was good enough to move on, you know? So right, it's like, right. for me, it's like, I don't need, I don't need the affirmation per se. It's not like I don't appreciate it. I do love it when people are telling me like, oh, you did a good job, or I really enjoyed this, or, you know, good right. job on that. I, I love that. But, um, but at the same time, for me, it's like, I'm also perfectly happy just like doing it. And then if nobody says anything, then I know I did it right. And then we can move on right. and it's fine, you know? And, and that, that's perfectly fine for me. Well, Peter, let's go. Let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to the beginning. So you 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 moved from Ohio to Los Angeles. How, how does it working out for you? To San Diego. So you moved to San Diego first, right before you moved to Los Angeles. So how's how's it working? Yeah, how's it working out in San Diego for you at that point? Uh, you know, I loved it. I, shoot, man, I, I uh, when when I moved from Ohio, I, 
I had visited both the uh, UC Davis and UC San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and Davis was cool. I mean, it was a nice place. And, you know, and thank you for taking place. UC San Diego. I re- I greatly appreciate it. I, I thank you so yeah, well, much. Yeah, I mean, it's just Davis reminded me of Ohio too much. You know, it's like I didn't want to move across the country to live in a place that was similar to where I lived already. So, you know, but I went down to San Diego and I remember the moment that I decided I'm going to go to uh, go to San Diego. I was I woke up butt crack of dawn because you know i was on ohio time still but it was like 5 a.m before my dad even got up we were in the hotel down near uh down near gasland quarter and uh, I, I took a walk and uh went down to the bay and i was just sitting there gazing at this beautiful bay because san diego is america's finest city i don't know anybody else that like i know it's named that right. but it really is true it's, it's a beautiful gorgeous city and i'm sitting out there looking at that and all of a sudden i see a I see a destroyer, you know, a naval wow. vessel just like naval destroyer, by. yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just like, what the heck? Like, this is freaking awesome. <laughs> so I'm like sitting there, and I'm already happy as hell. And I and I had just taken a, a, a tour of the campus, which is a beautiful campus, it's right next to the right. beach. And you know, and I'm and then I'm sitting there. I was like, okay, I need to be here. Like, I, I already right. decided, like, this is this is the place. You know, I. I I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go to a place that looks like I'm already at, and you know the weather's here, beautiful. The people are beautiful. <laughs> the, the place is beautiful. I I need to be here. Yeah. You know that that was that was the time. You know so. And by the time I got here, I was so grateful to finally move to California, someplace I wanted to be since I was in seventh grade. Um, I was so happy. I just I I was talking to everybody. I tried to meet everybody I could. I I just added a whole bunch of people. This is when Facebook had just like come out not that long before that. Right. I, right. I, I didn't even know anybody, but anybody that had anything to do with UC San Diego, I just added them as a friend. <laughs> and then anybody who accepted, <laughs> I just sent them a message. I was like, hey, we're about to be classmates. Let, let's talk. You know? <laughs> I, I was so psyched to be here that I just – I tried to meet everybody I could. And I, I loved right. it right away, and I, I haven't stopped loving it ever since I got here. I, I don't – I mean, California is my home. You know, I, it, it, I feel like I, I should have been I should have been born here. You know, everybody I'm, always thinks California is Los Angeles, but California is really San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego. Go ahead. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. What were you no, gonna I, say? I, I really did fall in love with LA, though. You know, I, I like San Diego. Like San Diego, don't get me wrong, I love it. I love visiting there. But for me, you know, spending five years there, I, I kind of got a little sick of it. You know, it's like it, it's a great, it's a great, great place. You know, but um, there's you know, it's the same kind of thing. You know, there's there's Pacific Beach, Ocean Beach, Gaslamp Quarter, uh, La Jolla, Del Mar. You know, and like and those are the places to go. Um, North it Florida, is. You know, it's like, but then like, in, once I moved up to LA though, you know, it's like it, it's not quite as pretty. It there's it, it, definitely very pretty, like in, in Malibu, say, like it's almost as pretty as, right. as San Diego. But what there is in LA is the culture, and it's the cultural mm. hub of the world. You know, like. Anybody that's creative, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be in the creative industry. But if you're a creative business person, or you're cre- if you're a great mind in the world, you're gonna end up in LA at some point. So if I stay here in LA, then the greatest minds in the world are gonna pass by me, and mm. I I just think that is fascinating. And not to mention, there are so many things to do, so many places to be that I can literally do a, a new thing every day of the year and not repeat one. And that's right. what I love about LA. You know, I fell in love with this city so much, not just because I love what I do for work, but it's just like something, you know, also going to these different sets, going to different locations for film, film and TV movies and whatever, you know, I get to see not really tourist attractions, but beautiful spots that people have found 
that they want to put in their project. And then I get to see that and I get to make it my, my own memory with it. You know, so you're so, not one of those people who came out to LA and then became defragmented. You're one of those people who came out to LA and then saw the truth of it and then, and then loved it and then went into it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, de- uh, definitely the case. I mean, I think it also helped too that a lot of my my college friends actually moved up here in LA, and the, oh. uh, and I see them I see them every month. You know, like ever since I got here, I had a, gr- a very close group of friends that I still keep in contact with. That um, yeah, I just gone to their wedding and everything, you know, one of their weddings and stuff, and it just you know <laughs> I, I I see you know having them here really kind of made me feel like I had a family here already, and that's why I really feel like a lot of people when they move to LA they they kind of get lost for the first two years because they don't have that group of people that they re- that really, you know, it can be a very lonely city because, um, you know, there's, thank you for saying there, that. There is, That's, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, no, it can be a very lonely city. And, 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 yeah. that, and I, I do appreciate that, you know, but for, for me, it, I was lucky enough to have people here already. Or right. I moved here at, around the same time as me. So I got to yeah, no, the city with friends. Let me ask you a weird question. You know, I, I've taken economics in my life, and I've, I've actually majored in economics at one point in my life. And it's a strange and weird, and I hate the subject a great deal because <laughs> those numbers can make me want to kill myself. But l- let me ask you a question. <laughs> do you feel like the economics, and I do feel like the economics really helped you out with dealing with people, mm-hmm. understanding the modulation of character, understanding the modulation of numbers and what have you, have you and understanding where you need to go is that is that true or is, does it seem to be true oh yeah no i i am so glad that i, I learned economics I mean, to be honest i had trouble with the math too like the statistics and all that kind of stuff I did right that. but conceptually i love conceptually it, there you go yeah because the way that i think I, I, the way that I feel the world is, the way that people are, is economics. Like, I think that it's much more than finance. It's much more than numbers and stuff like that. If you have a real economic model of what somebody's going to choose, then you're also thinking about, uh, you're, you're also thinking about, like, what, uh, what their emotions are in those moments, too. Like, say I'm deciding whether or not to live with my aunt. Like, I might save a lot of money on rent by living with her, but what's she like? Do I like her? Do, you know, like, is she going right, to right. on my butt all the time? Like, <laughs> right. go out? Is she not going to let me date? I mean, like, what's, you know, what's going on? There's a lot more factors yeah. than just the money. You know? What's the cost? What what's the cost benefit ratio here? Exactly. You know, and that's what economics is. And I think that every uh, human interaction comes with that, you know, and people right. tend to think it's just about money, but money is a very, 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 very small part of a true economic model. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. The the social the social intrigue, the, the combination of people coming together, making something greater than what they are, is what economics was kind of really based on, which is the, the big picture, not the small picture. So when you talk yeah. when I when I read that you were in economics and then you were in the rest of the field, it it made complete sense to me. I don't know why that did. Can you explain that to me? Well, you know, actually, one thing about economics that really spoke to me, and, and I was horrible at it, mind you, was game theory. And mm. the, the whole thing about game theory was yeah. figuring out, like, it, it, it's this idea that if you can figure out all of the different factors that go into a decision, you can literally tell the future because you can see right. where the trends are going. Exactly. You know? 
and that that fascinated me. You know, it it, it applies to everything, really. You know, because if you look at physics or you look at chemistry or anything like that, any of the sciences, uh-huh. if you really look at all the factors going into something, you can tell the future because you know where all the things are decaying or progressing to. You know what I mean? Right. So right. For me, it's like learning economics and learning game theory. It really opened my mind to the world and the way that I think about the world, thought about the world, but then I didn't really know a good mechanism for it. And then I started learning that. And even though I don't think it's a complete model of it, but like it really stimulated me to really look at things. And it, it really stimulated the way that I, I, I write about, I write screenplays and the way I make films right. and the way I act and the way I do stunts. I mean, everything is about, you know, looking at the, all of the factors that are going into what's happening and then making my best prediction of what's going what's going to happen after that and then it really it really makes it so that my art seems uh, feels organic at least in my mind <laughs> oh yeah no no absolutely now, i'm getting some questions from my audience here and one of the questions is is what is what was the independent project you, you recently worked on that was your film because uh, we know that a film can... go ahead Oh, go, no, go ahead. I'm actually working on a project right now. It's in post-production. I, I just finished my first rough edit of it. It, it. it actually centers around veteran suicide, which is something that I find to be very um, a very important topic these days. Um, you know, especially with you know, you know, I feel like it's it's something that is it's a travesty that's been going on. You know, we, we have, we, we have our, our troops going over, over somewhere and then they come back and they don't get the, the care that they need. You know, you have, you have veterans committing suicide in, in parking lots at the VA just because they haven't been able to see people. They get pills thrown, hey, let's, thrown away. Let, let's, let's, let's put a pause in this for a second. You're, you're doing a project yeah. on the, on the VA and, and it, really? Uh, not, not the VA specifically. It, it, it centers on a man who is, right. Uh, He's a combat veteran who is, is right. trying to. Uh, These are important the stories to tell. I'm 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 genuinely uh, surprised by your storytelling right here. This is this is a, a subject that's very close to me. We just talked about this yesterday, uh, audience. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, we just talked about this yesterday. Forgotten people. Uh, just, I'm just speaking to the audience for a second. Don't forget about the episode mm-hmm. yesterday. We did yesterday with 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 the doctor with Brooke Brooke, Brooke Bird, and today we're talking again. <laughs> about the same subject, which is intriguing to me. So please tell me everything about this project. Sure. It's a short film uh, that I made. Uh, it, I'm a, I'll tell you the basic premise of it. it. It's a man who is trying to drown his sorrows in, uh, in the punching bag, really. I mean, he's in, he's in a boxing, uh, he's in a boxing gym and he's, uh, he's trying to train it out, you know, like, you know, everybody needs an outlet of some sort. And this man, you know, it, he doesn't have the money to see a doctor without insurance. So uh, he's going to the gym and, you know, he's worrying his wife, you know, he has a, a wife and a kid at home, but, you know, and, and, uh, but, you know, a lot of people have this kind of problem. They're trying to figure out a way to have an outlet for it, or they just feel helpless and they feel like they have, to, and some people do it with drinking and drugs and all these different things, you know, and it, it's really unfortunate because That's right. they, they're not getting the help that they need, or sometimes they're just getting pills thrown at them from, you know, you know, people, you know, I, I it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a very sad, it's a very sad set of, uh, you know, grouping of, of facts that are going on. So this, this man is, you know, in the, in the boxing gym trying to figure this out. And uh, he just breaks down, and then eventually, um, as he goes out to his car, you know, you, you see him uh, really, really start uh, thinking about, you know, suicide. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, give give away too much about what it is. Yes, you know, yes, it, please. But, um, but uh, you know, I, 
I, I got the opportunity to shoot it and um, I, I wrote it and uh, and then I, I, I wanted to play it myself as well. So I, I, I played as a veteran and it was very hard to do, but it almost kind of saved me a little bit because I'm sitting there doing these, these really hard scenes and going to these really awful places, but then I forced myself to jump out of it and say, okay, let me see the shot. Okay, you know, put on my director's hat, get out of that place and the actor uh, of the actor, you know. Uh, otherwise, it might have just sat there and stewed about it and like really, like you know, really. But I, I forced myself take off the actor's hat, put on the director's hat. All right, what does the shot look like? Did we get the did we get the lines that we needed? Did we hit the notes that we needed? Did, you know, and that really actually helped me a lot to to keep sane while I'm doing this. But at the same time, you know, um, yeah, I I really it was very cathartic for me to, to go into this kind of thing. Cause my mother actually was in the air force and um, she wasn't a combat veteran, but she's experienced, it still experiences uh, PTSD, uh, symptoms of PTSD. Of course was, it does. You know, so, and it's, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, I, I, I grew up not really understanding certain things that was going on with her, but then now, uh, now that I'm older and learning more about it, then I start seeing these things and I start, noticing like it, it almost and that and that's another thing too you know that i feel a little bit um i hate to use the word shame but like a little bit ashamed of that i, I wasn't more understanding of what she was going through you know so uh, you did you it, did the best you can with the amount of knowledge you had at the time it's what any veteran would tell you you did the best no, you sure, could no. with the amount of knowledge that you had at the time now you have better better knowledge more knowledge Oh yeah, for sure. But but that's why it's an important thing to me, you know. And I also have a, a screenplay that I wrote that you know it, it won uh, uh, the Emerging Screenwriters uh, uh, the uh, Emerging Screenwriters competition from the International Screenwriters Association. I'm on Wonderful. the top twenty five list this year. Um, wow. And it's a it's a that film. I mean, it has to do with a lot of things that are going on right now. But one of the major themes of it is PTSD and veterans. Right. And um and some and either like the I don't know, like sometimes the lack of care that they get, you know, I really feel right. like we should be taken care of, you know, whether or not, you know, we agree with why they're over in different places or, you know, what the government is, is like ordering them to do, whatever. It's like these people are right. going there because they want to serve their country. And then that, that is important enough that when they come home and they're, they're making that kind of sacrifice, we need to take care of them, you know, and right. it's not happening the way that it should. You know, growing growing up, I wrote, I wrote a lot of my scripts and my books in San Francisco where my brother was going to college. And I had a very hard time going to San Francisco because they had a they had a very long train of spitting on Vietnam vets for being baby killers and being all kinds of things. And I just felt like that was adding to their PTSD and I didn't want to be part of that environment. And even now they they still have that anti-war atmosphere. And I, I get that. I, I totally get that. We should not, we shouldn't be in war, but to, to blame soldiers who don't have a choice, they go out there like the Spartans of old Sparta of old Greece and then come back broken. And then you separate them from the rest of the people like the Spartans and you put them in their own place. It, it's, it's a very, complicated subject and not quite fair as i've seen throughout the years what do you think oh yeah definitely not. no definitely not i mean and that's that's really why i write about it a lot you know that's why it's a big theme and a lot of the things that i write i mean even my my short film i just won uh, best short film of the year uh, best nice. short, action short film of the year at the uh, action on film festival in las vegas and i'm going to be at the urban action showcase in new york in times where 
Um, but uh, at the Urban Action Showcase, it's put on by HBO and Cinemax. Um, it's going to be in Times Square on November seventh. Uh, November because we have a lot we have a lot of people in New York right now because we get we get the LA Comic Con going on right now. We have a lot of people okay. that are listening in from New York right now. They all want to hear clearly where is this and what's going on. Tell us again, please. Okay, uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a short film called Pawn. Um, it won, well, like I said, at the action action on film short uh, at the action on film festival in Las Vegas. It won oh yes, action short film of the year. Uh-huh. Uh, but it, it, it's going to be playing um, on November 9th in uh, AMC Times Square uh, at the Urban Action Showcase, which is presented by HBO and Cinemax. Um, Fantastic. Uh, again, on November 9th. And uh, the, the logline of that one, it, it's an action short film, but the logline of it is, is two crime syndicate leaders manipulate their best men to fight to the death in order to keep themselves from going to all-out war. But right. the whole piece itself is based on a Churchill quote of old men make war, young men fight. <laughs> and, the, and the idea behind it is that – I love you know, that quote. He, he, yeah, I mean these guys are playing chess and, and talking, you know, talking philosophy with each other while you know, they're, they're two best men. You know, they killed one guy's father, they killed the other guy's wife, and then they blamed it. Right. And then they sent them pictures of each other so that they would fight to the death. And basically they're just doing that so they can settle a bet. And it the whole thing is a metaphor for war, um, and you know, I'm not mm. saying that war is never justified. I I, I wouldn't say something as, as right. As we got World War Twos and things like that. that. Yeah. Yeah, but a lot. But I would say a lot of the things that are that have people have been sent out to fight and die for. You know, maybe they shouldn't have been doing that. You know, it's like where are those WMDs? You know, it's like we were promised that people were going over somewhere because of something and then all of a sudden years later they're like oh well i guess we were wrong you know it's like i thought we had <laughs> definitive proof like why did we do that i mean i thought the right. guy that we were going after was in afghanistan why are we not right i mean like right. and like and i'm not and i'm you know again there are yes there are definitely reasons why we maybe should have gone to iraq but at the same time it's like there are these lies that are just told and then they're just glossed over because why Right. You know, so and that's really what my piece is about. It's it's a it's a metaphor for war and not not the honorable side of war, but the dishonorable side of it. Like we're sit we're when we send people out to do things for what? I don't know, economic gain maybe or right. or political gain. You know, like they're not really being truthful about something and then we send people over there to die anyway. I mean that's not that's not right in my mind. So my right. my piece of art, you know, even though it's an action piece, you know, I I I really wanted to speak to that point that you know there are sometimes people uh, people that are in charge, you know, sometimes they're they're doing things for not the best reasons, you know. Right. So. Right. Well, but, Peter, you know, that's I, not to say that there aren't patriots out there that are that are you know that are, are right. having, you know, that are setting up these things too. But, you know, like you said, like, like World War II, that was, that was, a, that was something that we need that we needed to go to do. It seemed, needed know, to be happening. Yeah. It needed yeah. to happen. You know, but, you know, you know like, Peter, we, hold on a second. We, 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 we want to keep you on the phone. Hold on a second. We're going to go on to commercial break for just for a minute. Then we're going to come out and close out with you. Peter, please hold on for a second. We, we'd love to have you on the show. Uh, one second. All right, guys, we're going to listen to Angel real fast while we take a commercial little break. Thank you so much for listening to us. We've got Peter Yang right now. This guy is a whopper. Great things to say, great things to talk about. We love him so much. 
We're going to come back to him in three minutes. Peter, you're on there? Yes, sir. Hey, Peter. Thank you, everybody, for listening up. Thank you, everybody, for, for waiting for us to get on there. I had to get my, my mic off muted there. So, Pete, after we listened to Angel there and we took a little commercial break, we wanted to talk a little bit more about the projects you're working on in the future. So what, what projects are, are you looking forward to on the future? Uh, well, you know, I'm looking forward to finishing the one I was talking about with about uh, right. you know, about veteran suicide. It's called Mask because uh, you know I have a technical advisor named Nicholas Correa um, that uh, he actually owns a nonprofit for um, for for PTSD, and I, I, he was my technical advisor on it. And, you know, something really? That he really that really stood out to me when he was telling me about it was that um, you know he's like you know I I constantly wear a mask. You know, I feel like 
you know, I have these things going on inside, but I, you know, I don't want to worry people. I don't want, and I don't feel like I can talk to some people about it. So I put on a mask that I'm okay. And you ask anybody, my, my friends and family, they know that, you know, and that, that's something that stuck with me, you know, it's like, I feel, and I heard that with a lot of uh, interviews with people, like I, I wear a mask, you know, it's like, I mean, not maybe, you know, people, they work through things and they eventually take it off, you know, but right. when, when they are dealing with it, it's like, you know, they, they don't want to burden other people, so they put on this mask of oh, "I'm okay, I'm okay, right. I'm okay." Right. You no, know? um, so that really stuck with me, and so that's why I use my the name of that short is is called Mask. Um, so I'm looking forward to finishing that one. You know, it's, I think it's Mask. Mm-hmm. That's a great um, name for it. You know, I myself have PTSD, and uh, I'm very proud of you for making this project because it's it's one of those you know it used to be called Shell Shock in World War One. And we didn't understand what it was. And I, and I will be honest with you, uh, Peter, Peter Jang, you know, one of the problems that I've had is that they've asked people of, you know, of considering PTSD of Vietnam, of, of Afghanistan, of the Korean, some people still alive for the Korean War and what have you, to smoke medical marijuana and what have you. And that was probably one of the first times I, I ever, ever kind of stood up and went like, I don't think you should prescribe anything for something that you don't fully understand. I'm having a complete mm-hmm. problem with this. I need to fully understand what it's going on before you can give me a prescription, especially one that's not, especially one that's not really dialed in yet. What, what are your concepts of, of those kind of programs? Well, you know, I, that, that, that's a tough one because, you know, something like you know, medical marijuana, I, I have heard some very good things about it. You know? Great things. Um, great things. Yeah, really great things about it. So, I mean, you know, and if it works, it works. You know, I've also heard some really great things about, you know, uh, people thinking about doing medical mushrooms, you know, like, uh, ma- right. uh, what is it? you know, uh, psilocybin. Or, or like, even uh, Wellbutrin. Yeah, I mean, it will, yeah, well, yeah, well, that's something, you know, like, uh, you know, people that I've known have taken and, you know, right. it's, if something helps, it helps. But at the same time, you know, it's one of those things too. The pharmaceutical company is such a weird thing for me, it and that's a, that's another big topic for me that I, I, I that I kind of have underlying in a lot of things. Is that you know we you know say something like the the opioid crisis we have right now, right. and that's something that I'm working on a little project with uh, with uh, you know my girlfriend right now. Actually, we're, we're writing a piece really? about um, about the opioid epidemic. You know, it's, it's something that. You know, the reason why people get hooked on something like heroin is because, you know, a lot of people, they got it prescribed from the doctor that, you know, that's right. They, uh, they, they, you know, they got some opioid by the doctor and then they couldn't get the prescription anymore. And then they go to black tar heroin because it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, you know, they, a lot of people, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people don't. You're right. You're right. Doctors used to prescribe right. heroin, like by name. No, it, it's called heroin, it is, it is you know? heroin in, in a pill. It is heroin oh, in yeah. a pill. Yes. And that's why Purdue Pharmaceuticals has to pay that big settlement, even though it's a drop in the bucket for them. You know, they oh, you saw you saw that big you saw that big thing that just came up recently. Yeah, a huge, oh, yeah. a huge settlement it was gigantic. Well, it's gigantic, but if you look at their business, it's it's not that right. Big. You it's know, like, how much money they made over the years? <laughs> right. It's not that big. So no. it's like you know, it's like a little slap on the wrist almost. So I mean, oh, they have, and, they, and that's the they, thing, you know. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that. that, So it seems like you and your girlfriend are working on social justice, um, kind of, kind of concepts because these are social justice things that, 
the, the opioid crisis. Uh, we can call them liberal. We can call them Democrat. But in reality, they're, it's social justice when you're working on, oh, no, I mean, uh, you know, you know, cops arresting black people for no reason, the opioid crisis for all these things. These are all social justice warrior concepts. Uh, would, you, would you not agree with me a little bit? Oh sure, yeah. I mean, but I, I would say that it's bipartisan. You know, like I, I know absolutely both Democrats and Republicans that hundred percent. hundred percent. That's the thing. You know, it's like a lot of people don't realize. You know, they literally prescribed heroin by name, like in right. the early 1900s, and then right. they say, "Oh, it's not good." And then they just change it. They put some inert chemicals in there, and they called it oxycontin. And then they have, and they have a huge exactly, and then they and then right. we wonder why people are hooked on heroin. And then there's this huge stigma that came over from the drug war that Nixon put up, which they, by the way, like one of his people in the administration, literally is on record saying that it was to put down hippies and and and, uh, and people Aww, of color. It's you so know, nice it's, to have somebody educated on the radio show. <laughs> That's so nice to have somebody who knows something about something who speaks. That's so nice of you. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, but that's the thing, you know. It's it's yeah. You know, people don't realize that these these are, are long-standing problems. And then like and and there's there's a stigma that if somebody takes drugs, they're automatically a bad person. They're not worth their right. time, and we should just throw them away. But no, let's right. look at where it actually came from. And maybe they hurt their back in a in a car accident and maybe they got hooked on something that they shouldn't have been even put on in the first place and then maybe right. their life spiraled down into nothing you know i mean like right. and, and that's that's the thing you know it's like not to say that there isn't a certain amount of agency that people have to have for themselves i'm not saying that like you of course you have to take care of yourself but on the other hand there are outside influences especially if you don't understand that they're happening to you right then like it's a lot harder to really pin down this to blame only on one person. Like if I unknowingly give somebody heroin and then they get hooked on it and then later on they want it and want it and then they start making irrational decisions because it changes the chemical makeup of their brain. And then is it just them that made that decision to become a drug addict? Is that all them? I mean, I'm not saying it isn't. Some of them, yeah, they made some choices that led them there. But is it ever 100% them? And is it 100% okay to blame everything on them? I don't think so. Peter, you're you're uh, you're talking on something that's it's absolutely my subject matter. What brought you to this um, to this point that you're talking about? Because you're you're talking about exactly what what I'm involved in right now. Well, what exactly brought you to this point that you're you're involved in this and you talk about this and you're obviously influenced and, and impassioned by it. Well, you know, it, it's really just, it's not just this, but it's a lot of different things, but this one specifically, I mean, I mean, say, you know, like, say like my mother, you know, we, we were talking about her and she, you know, she's yes. from PTSD and, you know, yes. and you know, like I said, you know, and they do this with a lot of veterans. They, they just kind of throw some pills at them and then be like, okay, well see how this works out and come back and let me know if it works. You know, it's like, Right. What do we do? Or like, or, or kids, they give them Adderall, or they give them, you know, we give them a pump them full of sugar and caffeine, and and then like, these, which are drugs. You know, caffeine is a drug. Whether or not it's it is a lot of different things, it's still a yes. drug. And if you give it to yes. a child, then we're kind of setting them up to need more of it later on, and then we wonder why oh. you know drug culture became so huge. If you, know, you if, if you go to any psychiatrist, a psychiatrist will ask you, "Do you drink caffeine?" and to stop drinking caffeine. That's the first thing they'll ask you to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so, 
So, yeah, I mean, for for me, it's just like seeing, looking at the world and like seeing, like, yeah, people have problems. And I, I don't want to dismiss people as anything. I want to see why they have these problems. And, yeah, a lot of people make bad decisions. I get that. You know, and I, I mean, shoot, I've made my own bad decisions. But what I will say, though, is that I'm not going to discount them. I want to find out what the source is. Like, what, where did this stuff come from? What, why is this so prevalent? And then you start, and then you start seeing that people out there, you know, like the, there are different things that are going on in society that are making it easier for people to get hooked on these things because they are addictive right. substances. There's a reason why it's like that, you know. And then it is. You know, yeah. So I mean, and we, I don't know. We're okay with people drinking every week we're okay with people going out and stuff like that obviously right. you know people are okay with alcoholics but you know it's very socially acceptable to drink but alcohol is one of the most dangerous one of the most uh, harmful drugs for you it is you know <laughs> and cigarettes are legal and they cause yes. like uh, all, you know cancer so it's like we have this weird like you know double triple quadruple oh and, and, and then we, and then we have you know? then we have six vaping devs and then we freak out and it's like, right. are you, yeah. it's like, how many people are dying of lung cancer every single day? Can you please answer that question? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's just, it's baffling to me, you know? So I, I look at these kind of problems and I want to see where the sources are, you know? And luckily, and everybody has this, you know, and I, it baffles me a lot of times that people some aren't educated about things because you literally have all of the answers in the palm of your hand if you have a phone. Like, look right. it up. You know, it's as simple right. as just like, I'm curious about something. I don't understand something. <laughs> type it into Google, type it into Wikipedia, type it into whatever, and then you can at least learn somebody's opinion about it, and then you can learn another opinion about it, and then you can right. cross-reference it with other things. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's one of those things. Like, information is so readily available these days. It baffles me that people don't use it. Like, in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. You know, I mean, but a lot of people make that choice nowadays. <laughs> so, and, that, and that's something, you you're, know, so for me, you're I, right. I don't want to be that person. You know, I want to always be looking it up. I always want to be, you know, I always want to educate myself. I don't want to, if I don't know something, I'm going to look it up. And if I, if there's not a definitive answer, I'm going to learn the different opinions about it and then choose my own answer for it, you know? It, it, so, it is so obvious, Peter, that everybody here and, and the audience wants to hear more and watch your career grow what do you want for yourself in the future because it seems like you're leading in a very strong direction and they want to know which direction is that <laughs> well you know I, I i can't remember which comedian it was but there, there was something that i read recently i think that really summed me up very well like i don't want to label myself any one thing i mean i i love i love my four careers that i have right now for you know, a, a different reason. You know, I love stunts because it's problem solving. You know, I figure out how to do something dangerous without it being dangerous, being able to do it 20 right. times and walk away with a smile on my face or, right. or somebody else walking away with a smile on their face. And then acting is so cathartic and so, like, you know, eye-opening, and you can really affect other people with your performance, and I love that. And then filmmaking, it's, it's world-building. You know, being a director, I this, little, this square is my world, and I get to – I get to figure out what up, what puts in it and then how it can affect you. And then with screenwriting, it's that literal world building because like the, right. that's the limit. I put the words on paper, somebody reads it and they imagine what I'm thinking. And that's amazing to me. So, I, and, right. you know, and going back to that, that quote from the community, I can't remember who it was, but he basically just said like, I, I'm not any one thing. Sometimes I'm a writer. Sometimes I'm a director. Sometimes I'm a comedian. Sometimes I'm an actor. 
And if I put a limit on, if I put a label on what I am, then it limits the possibilities that I can achieve. And I, right. you know, I, I, right. I don't want to limit myself. I, for me, I think in the long run, I would like to write and direct my own films. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't want to just be that. I mean, like, I could see myself hopefully maybe one day, maybe not running for an office, but, you know, we're you're doing something with politics. Just because that, that is exactly the that question that somebody that. was just asking, by the way, was, oh, yeah. will this person, <laughs> I was about to ask you that question. <laughs> what, what Lisa wants to know right here, and, and it's just one question that I'm going to ask today is, are you going to run for office one day and what office will you run for? And I, I thought that was a, a kind of a funny question. And I was going to ask you that question, and you rolled right into it. So please tell us. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, that, that's something that would be a little bit down the road. You know, I want to gain more experience. I want to, you know, I want to do some things in my life. Yeah, but you're smart. Me- you're smart. You know where you want to go. You know what you want to do. There's prerogatives that, that, that are right there in the dead center of everybody's mind. You're talking people's language. You're talking political language as well, because you have a very political set of mind as well. Since I've known you t- to now, you've always had a political set of mind. What, 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 well, what, you know, what do you desire? Go ahead. Yeah, well, for me, you know, I, I'm not sure where, what I want to do with politics, but I know that right now, I mean, there might be something else, but right now, art and politics are the two things that influence how, how society changes. And that's why right. I'm so interested in this thing because I, I've always, I mean, You're I don't right. know why I've had this, but like ever since I was a kid, I always had the desire, like I want to change the world in some way and I want to make it a better place, you know? And, and, you know, and I, I get not, that's not, you know, some people, that's kind of like something frivolous that a lot of people say, but for me, it's like, I really want to take the steps and do that. And that's why my art ever reflects that. Even my first thing, my first uh, short film, you know, it, it was an action piece and yeah, but it dealt with, um, uh, was a, a human trafficking, you know, right. we did it in a, in a way that, like, I don't think – it wasn't as strong of a piece as I want, wanted it to be, but it still did get a little bit of it. And the reason why I wrote about that is because it's something that's out there that I think is important that needs to be, that needs to be um, you know, brought to light. So, I mean, for me, it's like art can do that, you know, like, say, like, the Inconvenient Truth, whether or not you agree with it or not. Like, Al Gore right. made this documentary and then created a billion-dollar economy that still persists today and brought, to, brought out something that a lot of people believe in. You know, whether some, you know, I, I don't know if you have a conserv- any people that are conservative that don't believe in it or something like that, but whether or not you believe sure. in it or not, mm-hmm. it still created a huge social change, you know, and that is right. fascinating to me. So film and politics are the two things right now that really influence how society changes. So that's why they're very important to me. I don't really know what in politics I want to do yet, but I do know that since that is the process in which things get changed in America, I do want to participate in it somehow in the future. I'm just not sure how yet. The grand grand thing is that you're still very, very young, and that we have plenty of years with you, like Pete Buttigieg. Uh, We won't have any problem hearing from your political facts in the future. And and I'll be quite honest with you. Speaking with you for the past hour and a half – uh, your views are wonderful, and uh, and everybody here they they love hearing from you. They love hearing everything else from you. Let me let me ask you a question. They're they're asking where can we find you? Where can we see you next? Uh, are there any projects that we can see your face in, or that we can, we can feel your presence in? Yeah, well, you know, I'll be 
I'll be on TV a couple, <laughs> you know, coming up here pretty soon. <laughs> uh, and if you go to my Instagram, you know, it's a P Janksters, P J A N G S T E R. You know, I post about uh, future projects there. Um, I have a, a Facebook, um, a Facebook uh, fan page. Uh, it's just my name, Peter Jang, and has my picture on there. Um, I have a my production company on YouTube. It's Simplicity Pictures. Uh, so if you look that up, you can see my first short film that I made, and then um, a trailer for Ponds. I, ha- I haven't released it publicly yet, but um, I will be putting it on that page eventually. And then uh, any future projects that I have will be going on there as well. As, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, or you can just you know drop me an instant message on 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 uh, a DM. I mean, on Instagram or something like that. Too. Well, Peter, I, I'm gonna put you on hold in a second, and we're gonna we're I'm gonna talk to you for just a couple more seconds. But you know, you're you're the exact type of personality we want to talk to. Somebody who loves what they do, works incredibly hard at what they do, sends a message to the to, to the entire population of people, and want to make a change. Uh, that's a big thing about you is, is that you're very positive, but you are, you're also not a fool and it's very obvious to all of us. So thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for talking to to us today, spending your time with us. We know you had a late night, you had a late night, you worked Uh, very hard on another job earlier today and yesterday and, and, and thank God bless you so much for, for spending time with us today. Well, I appreciate that. I hope I, I hope my rambling wasn't too much. I mean, I, I just got off of a seventeen-hour day <laughs> overnight. So. <laughs> you yeah, you but, did uh, not ramble at all. <laughs> you you purely talked from the heart, talked to the mind, and everybody here appreciates it. Um, not many people speak the way you speak, so it, it's very nice to hear um, some very sincere thoughts and some very. Uh, charismatic uh, concepts of, of how we're going to get rid get rid of certain things in the in the future and put better things in our future. So we're looking forward to this. I'm going to talk to Peter Jang in in, uh, in uh, the uh, the pause room right over here. But let's say goodbye to Peter Jang. Bye, Peter Jang. Thank you very much for spending time with us. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate you. All right, everybody, listen to this song as I talk to my friend here.
Hi, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to Sim Files Radio. This is your host, Steve Pisa. We just had a Peter Jang on right now. We just had a fantastic time. Uh, I can't tell you how much I love direct communication and people who just speak true, true to the heart and uh, tell you exactly what, what you not what you want to hear, but yeah, kind of what you want to hear. You want to hear the truth. You want to hear people telling you exactly how they feel, exactly what they mean, um, where they're going to, where they came from. It's not important what they're working on right now. I mean, Peter Jang was working on something right last night that's private. Uh, is it really private? Probably not so, but it's none of your business. It's just one of those things of these people need to work on their projects without putting their self at bay at being at fault later on. Anyways, it was lovely having him on, wasn't it? Telling you about his father, how his father pushed him along throughout all these years, how his mother was part of his life, uh, how how much he wants to work for the community that is Los Angeles, that is America, which is the VA, and working on PTSD, and working on people who have issues. Uh, these are the things that we want to work on. These are the things that these are the people that we want to help us out in our lives. So these things are very, very important. Uh, I I can understand why you're if you're younger than me, much younger than me. I know a lot of you are much younger than me, and you've you don't have these issues and what have you. But I myself do have PTSD, unfortunately. Or fortunately, that way I can share with all of you and make it a a, a non-big deal. I could talk talk to you in a, about it in a way that that doesn't make it such a a horror story. But it's great to listen to like Peter Jang and how he's helping people and how he's working with people and how, how much he wants to help people get through these periods in their life. Could you ask anything more from a person who works as hard as he does? Seriously. I mean, he just got off the show literally a couple hours ago. And he's on at 12 p.m. talking to you about how you can live a better life. About how depression, PTSD, which is one of the reasons why I never asked him how he got over his own depression. Because he answered those questions. What a great, great guest, wasn't he? Yeah, great guest. We didn't have, had, have to ask many questions. We got a lot of answers. What was his past? What was his present? What is his future? Peter Jang, thank you so much for being on Cinema Files Radio. We greatly appreciate you taking the time out for us. And for all you listening, today on Sunday afternoon, thank you so much for listening today. We want these positive stories to carry you through. Listen up. We care about you. We love all of you. All of you listening in, all of you caring, listening to the guests, we love you all and we want the best for you. So we'll keep on bringing on guests like Pia Jang, like Doug Jones, like a thousand other people. 
that'll give you positive stories, stories that'll help you get along in this world better than you ever have. I hope they help. They help me. I hope they work. They've worked for me. I want to share these stories with you, and I want you to get better. I want all of you to live. I want all of us to be happy. I want us all to see the end together. Stay positive. Love life. Be around people that love life. Stay away from people that don't. This is Steve Pisa on Cinema Files Radio. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you all. Signing out.